This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Have you ever been tricked into thinking that something uh, was true and actually later on maybe you found out that it was actually the opposite of the truth? Uh, when I was a kid, my mom tells me that I was creative to say the very least. And uh, when I was about the age of uh, where you kind of learn to like open doors and let strangers into the house, well, she had left me playing with some toys and uh, went to take a shower. And uh, so I, I, in the midst of all that, run up to the door where she was taking a shower. And I, say, I said, Mom! She says, what? I said, Freddie's here! And she said, Freddie? I said, yeah, Freddie's here. She said, well, don't let him in. I said, sorry, it's too late. He knocked, and I let him in. My mom panicked, right? She's like, Nick, where is he? Nick, where is he? And I, I said, well, well, he's right here, because Freddie was my imaginary friend. And uh, yeah, and as time went on, people began to learn about my imaginary friend named Freddie. In fact, one day I was out playing in, in the yard, and this is, this is a true story. I, I walk up to this tree, and there's a tree, and there's a hole in the tree, Honest to God, inside the tree, there's this piece of paper, and I open the piece of paper, and it's a letter to me from Freddie. And uh, it began this pen pal relationship to where I'd read the letter, and I'd write something back, and I'd put it in the hole of the tree. And then a couple days later, I'd come back, and there'd be a letter for me there in the hole of the tree. This went on as time kind of went on. And then as I got older, I kind of lost sight of my imaginary friend. But I'll never forget the day I was talking to my neighbor and uh, she told me, hey, you remember your, your, your friend Freddie? I said, well, yeah, of course I remember my friend Freddie. She said, you remember all those letters that he used to write you? I said, yeah. She said, well, it wasn't Freddie. It was actually me. I've been writing these letters all along. I mean, I, I was disgusted, right? I'd been tricked. How dare you impersonate my friend Freddie? Um, maybe in not such a silly of, of, of an instance, but if you ever been tricked, you know, like that, maybe you were lied to. Maybe you were lied to about something, and then when you found out, the truth, you were really hurt. Or maybe you were, um, you know, raised to believe something about a certain demographic of people. And then the older you got, when you begin to interact with that demographic, you realize, oh man, everything that I thought about this person is, or this demographic is actually completely untrue. In fact, it's actually backwards to what reality is. You know, for us as, as followers of Christ, followers of God, as we kind of embark on our journey with God, I don't know about you, but, we, but for me, you kind of have this tendency to, to come to this realization that, wow, I've been seeing things wrong all along. Like everything that I naturally think, everything that I think is true, it's almost like God thinks backwards uh, to me. I mean, you think about portions of scripture. I mean, you read the Bible and God says things like this and Acts, he says, it's more blessed to give than receive. I mean, doesn't that run absolutely cross-grain to our way of thinking? Wouldn't it make more sense that it would be more blessed to, to get? I mean, wouldn't that make more sense? Uh, he says things like this. In Romans, he says, repay no one evil with evil, but instead repay evil with good. I mean, that makes no logical sense to us, right? If, if somebody does wrong to me, what do we want to do? An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We want to do evil back to them. He says this in Luke. He says, love your enemies. He says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. He says this, pray for those who spitefully use you. Have you ever felt used? Uh, I, the last thing I want to do when I feel used is to pray for the person that I feel used by. But see, God's way of thinking, God's way of doing things is completely backwards to ours. And in fact, God tells us this. He tells us this in, in the Bible. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. He says, my ways, they're, they're not your ways. He says, 
as far as heaven is higher than earth, you think about that chasm, this, the same is true between my thoughts and your thoughts, my ways and your ways. You know, one of the things in our life that is really foundational in us being able to live a fulfilled life, and I think it's something that in our own frame of thinking, we have this tendency to get backwards, and, and it's this, it's our purpose, who we are and why we're here who we are and why we're here. If we don't get this foundational reality right, everything we do in our lives will be meaningless because we'd be building on a faulty foundation. Uh, You think about a house, right? We go and we we admire great great houses and we say, man, I really like the lights or I like the trim or I like the way uh, the roof is done. Or maybe you go into the house and, and as you check out the rooms, I like the space in all the rooms. Well, you wouldn't have a house if you didn't first have what? the foundation. And that's why foundational things are really important. And so even identifying this, you know, the the fact that you're here today tells me that you're asking yourself this question. uh, Why am I here? And who am I? In fact, this question can probably be uh, put into a statement. And the statement is this, there has to be more. If you're here today, you came to church, you're telling yourself, there has to be more. There has to be more for my marriage. There has to be more for my family. There has to be more than this routine. There has to be more to life than just get up, go to work, come home, get up, go to work, come home, get up, go to work, come home, live my life during the week so that I can party on the weekends and start the cycle all over again. There has to be more to this. And you know, the, the Bible, as, as Christians, we believe the Bible is not just a book, but it's literally God speaking to us. It's a, it's, it's a foundational part of our faith. It kind of makes this whole thing clear. Who really am I? Most of us here today would say, well, I'm, I'm a human being, right? That's what we would say. And I don't know what you look like, short hair, long hair, but you would say, I am a, a, a human, right? I have a, a body. And we would think that this this body, it's really who I am. This is who I am. I am a human being. But as you kind of uh, dive into scripture, dive into God's way of thinking and, and, and God's way of seeing things, you realize you're much, much more than just a human being. In fact, at the core of who you are, what you really are is you're a spirit. You're a spirit. That's not what your spirit looks like, but we're using it just for for an example. You're really a spirit. And what happens is your spirit is what brings your body to life. What is the difference? You see, your body, you as a human being, this is a a, a temporal being, but this, this, your spirit, who you really are, you're really an eternal being. And this is the whole concept, right? This is why we talk about heaven and hell, because we we talk about the, the fact that when we're done with life here on earth, we spend forever somewhere. Why? Because we're not just temporal beings, we're eternal beings. Why does this matter? Because understanding who we are is really foundational to how we live our lives. Uh, you, you think about, we understand this concept, I think, because uh, think about somebody close to you that's, that's passed away. If you've ever been uh, close to someone, maybe when they've, they've passed, you'll say things like this, wow, as soon as, as, soon as they, they pass, you, you say, wow, that doesn't even look like them. Why do we say that? Why? Because, because the real them is no longer in the body. The body was simply the shell or the casing that contained their spirit. You think about maybe a, a hermit crab that has a shell, right? We look at the shell. Well, the shell really doesn't have any life in it. It's the hermit crab that brings the shell to life. The Bible kind of talks about uh, this scripture. It says it in Luke. It says, there is far more to your inner life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. In other words, what it's saying is there's more to this life than just the things that make you human. It continues, and it says this, people who don't know God and the way he works, they fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. So he says, so steep yourself in God reality. 
or the fact of who you really are, God initiative, God provisions. You see, this is important, really, really important, no matter where you're at in life, whether you're a new believer. Maybe you're somebody here today, it's your first time to church, maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're somebody that's kind of been along this journey with God for quite some time now. Why is it important? Because if you don't remind yourself of your anchor, who you are, this foundation, your boat in life will always drift. I'm not just talking about, do I know this information? I'm talking about, am I living my life by this information? This scripture, it teaches us how we view our existence. It's really, really important because what I believe about who I am will determine how I live my life. What I believe about who I am will determine how I live my life. I want to give you another example. Uh, let's just pretend, for example's sake, uh, that I'm the head of, of NASA and I send uh, astronauts to outer space, okay? And so I'm going to send one of my astronauts uh, to the moon. And I'm telling you, hey, you're going to the moon. Here's, here's the purpose of you going to the moon. You're going to go and I need you to collect samples and take pictures. And then you're going to come back and you're going to report to me, right? And then I tell them, okay, but when you go to the moon, it's really important that you wear a moon suit. In order for you to exist on the moon, you have to wear a moon suit. Why? Because you're not from the moon, and the moon doesn't have any oxygen. You need oxygen. So in order for you to function on the moon, you have to be in a moon suit. This is kind of the picture that we see with, with who we are as a spirit, as an eternal being. In order for us to function on earth, this is how it makes sense. We have to, to, to live in something. We have to have our own version of our moon suit, and that's what our body really is. And so we, we take this, this concept of this man on the moon. You see, the man on the moon, if he gets to the moon, and he doesn't remember why, he was sent and who he really is. And say he just starts trying to establish his life, right? He starts building a house, maybe setting up shop. I'm just going to live here. He kind of loses sight of, of why he's there. What's going to happen? He's going to soon find himself devoid of things that he really needs, things like water and, and food and air. When he does this, he's going to begin to say things like this. His body begins to deteriorate. He's going to be able to say things like, man, I just don't feel like myself. Man, I just feel kind of off today, and his body's going to begin to deteriorate. He's going to find himself weak. He's going to find himself unhappy. He's ultimately going to find himself void of life. You know, the same is true for us. If we don't remember who we are and why we're here as humans, that we are eternal beings, if we forget why we're here, we'll eventually find ourselves devoid of things we really need. When we do this, we'll find ourselves saying those same things as our lives begin to deteriorate. Maybe you've said them, I just don't feel like myself. I just seem off. It just seems like something is missing. What is happening? We're beginning to find ourselves weak, unhappy, and ultimately we'll find ourselves void of life. You see, the reason the man in the moon suit will eventually get weak and struggle to have a thriving life on the moon is because he wasn't on the moon to live. He was on the moon to learn. And when he loses sight of his purpose, he will always struggle with his fulfillment because fulfillment is tied to our purpose or the reason that we exist. So, so the reason we often struggle to find fulfillment, and I think if we're honest, we all do, it's because we're confused about, or we've lost sight of our purpose, who we are and why we're here, who we are and why we're here. I don't believe for a second that this is just human. I believe it's a trick. I believe we're being fooled. You look at the foundation of humanity, right? God made man. This is what we believe, it would be the concept of creation, right? God made man. He made them in perfection. The system uh, of the world was, was absolutely perfect, right? God made man in, in a perfect state, and he gave them something really, really powerful. He gave them the power to choose. See, God didn't want man to be forced to love him. He wanted man to choose 
to love him. Well, man made a bad choice, right? Man made a bad choice and actually made a decision that separated them from God. Not only did it separate man and humanity from God, but it brought a curse on the earth. We live in that cursed world. We live in that broken system. That's why we have uh, war and murder and evil things that, that, man, we look at, wow, this is really, really horrible. Why? It's, it's a result of that disconnect between God and man. But God was so, so passionate about relationship with man that he had a plan. And this was God's plan. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son to humanity. He's gonna, he's, he is a spirit, but he's going to come and he's going to embody himself in a body or in the flesh. And he's going to live a life here on earth, but he's going to live it different than you and I do. Because what Christ is going to do, what my son is going to do, is he's going to come and he's going to live a perfect life, which is something none of us can do because we have that broken nature inside of us. And so Jesus comes and he doesn't and he lives a perfect life. And then what happens is God's plan is my my son, he's going to be murdered. He's going to be murdered for things that he never even did. And when he's murdered, he isn't just going to stay dead. What I'm going to have him do is I'm going to have him come back to life. Why? Because it's going to be symbolic. It's not just going to be symbolic. It's going to be a a literal defeat for evil. It's going to be a literal defeat for the separation that has been between me and man. So that when anyone... You or I comes to God and says, God, I believe in the work of what Jesus did. We have this ability to connect with God, not based upon our mistakes or based upon our works, but based upon what Jesus did. This is the message of Christianity. But you see, when Jesus came back from the dead, not only did he create a way for us to connect with God, he defeated darkness. He defeated evil. What I'm saying is he, he rendered it or he took away all of its power. So, so this is, is, is the point, is, is Satan, darkness, evil, the devil, whatever you want to call him, he has no power in your life anymore aside from the power that you give to them. Aside from the power that you give to darkness, aside from the power that you give to evil, aside from the power that you give to Satan, what I'm saying is, is Satan has no power aside from what we give to him. In other words, his only weapon is the weapon of deceit. The weapon of getting you to believe something that is backwards or contrary to God's way of seeing things. You see, what the enemy really wants to do is he really wants to control our worldview. We, we all have a worldview. What is a worldview? Your worldview is just basically simply the thing that you're counting on. We're all counting on something here today. For many of us, we're counting on the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. For some of you today, maybe you're a non-believer. You're counting on the fact that Jesus isn't who he said he was. You see, and and, and when it comes to darkness, when it comes to the devil, what he wants to do is he wants to control us into thinking or deceive us into thinking that all that exists is now. Because if we can be tricked into thinking that this is all there is, then this is all we will live for. We'll find ourselves settling for the grind of life, right? Just, just, I'm just on my grind, right? Day after day, get up, go to work, party on the weekends. Get up, go to work, party on the weekends. Why? Because it's just what you do. The problem is this cycle, it causes us to feel very, very empty. Because of this, we're unhappy, right? We're unfulfilled. We're always tired. We're always stressed out. We're always really busy. And we don't know why. What? what What am I missing? This is why spiritual emptiness is a universal disease. Because we're all searching for love, hope, meaning, understanding. And it's impossible to find it when we base our lives on an existence that's temporary. Romans chapter 8. 
It says this, for those who live according to the flesh or things that are temporary, the fact that they understand that I'm just a body, they will have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh or the fact that this is all there is. But those who live according to the spirit or eternal things have their outlook shaped by the things of the spirit or eternal things. Here's a paraphrased version. It says, those who live as if this is all that exists, they set their minds only on things that exist. But those who live according to who they really are, a spirit being, an eternal being, they set their minds on who they really are. To only acknowledge what's here is empty, but to live your life by what really is, is life and peace. You see, the real you is more than a body occupying a space in a solar system. The real you is an eternal being. As we're answering this question, what is my purpose? We've identified, man, who am I? I, I'm really a spirit being. You don't have to try to be spiritual. You are spiritual. It's it's who you really are. So the next question is, and why am I here? You see, this is what evil, this is what the devil wants you to think. This is the reason he wants you to think that you're here. He wants you to think that you're here for no reason. The enemy wants to trick you into thinking you don't have a purpose. He wants you to live your life saying things like this. And don't we hear him all the time in our society? I just can't find myself. I have a hard time just being me. I'm not good at anything. It seems like everyone else has their fit, but I just can't find mine. I'm misunderstood and I'm overlooked. But we know this has to be a trick because God's thinking and God's way of doing things is completely backwards to this. I mean, think about today how intentional your existence is. Think about how intentional your existence is. The fact that in all of the billions of people that exist on the face of planet Earth, nobody has your same fingerprint. Would you think about how intentional your existence is, how well-designed you are? The fact that, I mean, of all the billions of people, there's no duplicates. The fingerprint on your finger, it's unique to you. Think about your DNA that, that allows us to solve crimes that were decades old. Why? Because your DNA is something that's by design unique To you, nobody, nobody has the same DNA as you. You see, you're not an accident. You may be an accident to your parents, but to God, to God, you're not an accident. God formed you intentionally. You see, your parents may have made you, but God is the one who formed you. Bible says actually before, yeah, yeah. He says, before I formed you with, with detail, before I crafted you in your mother's womb, I knew you. He says that you are his masterpiece. Would you think about that? You see, and just like your DNA, just like your fingerprint, it's it's no accident. I don't believe for a second the way that you're geared, your interests, your personality, your passions. I don't believe for a second that they're accidents either. I believe they're by design. You see, if God has been so extraordinarily detailed about your design, he has surely given you a reason for living. You know how I think God designed us to be our authentic self? We hear that a lot, right? I want to be my true self. You know how I think God designed us to be that? I'm talking about the best you that you can be, the real you. I believe God has designed it so that we would take our personality and passion and link it to God's plan. You see, this is our purpose, to use our personality and passion to push God's plan forward. So if, that, if that's the case, if, if that's the reality is we're on this journey to find our purpose, one of the first things that we can do that can be really helpful is to consider our personality and to identify our passion. 
to consider our personality. I mean, don't we so much, time, so much of the time wish our personality was different? Well, I'll never be like that because their personality is just loud and outgoing and I'm shy and I'm quiet. And we, we belittle the way that we're geared. What if that was intentional? What if that, just like your DNA, just like your fingerprint, was by design? What about your passions? I mean, don't we always wish, man, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not like that. I'm not, maybe I'm not manly enough because I'm not interested in those things. What are the things that you're interested, though, was by design, crafted by God to push forward his purpose? You know, when you look in the Bible, to me, there's nothing more authentic than the story of David and Goliath. You have this story of a a young shepherd boy, right? And and he takes on this giant that's in the land that's mocking all of God's people. And you know how he does it? He comes and and he kills the giant with a slingshot by taking a stone and putting it right between the eyes of the giant. He falls to the ground and he runs over and he chops off his head. I mean, how authentic is that? You see, but that authentic moment of David killing and defeating Goliath, what it really was, when you look at it and dissect it, was really a conglomeration or a coming together of his personality and passion colliding with God's plan. His personality that probably led him as a boy to daydream about things that seemed absolutely impossible. Maybe you have a kid like this, one that's always playing superheroes, right? Things that seem larger than life, always, always defeating or always has that special secret sword that can take on anyone. You take that, that, that thing that was in David and you combine that with his passion, maybe for shepherding or, or being in the outdoors, maybe using his hands, that, the, the, the things that gave him practice out in the field with the slingshot as he fended off wolves and bears protecting his father's sheep. You take those two things and then you collide it with God's plan for someone to take out this giant that had been bullying his people. All of these things came together and did what? They created David's purpose. His personality and passion combined with God's plan led him to his purpose. Today, you have a purpose. And your purpose is linked to how God has crafted your personality and the passions or interests that you have. So, great question. What if I don't know what my passion is? This is the, the great quest. We have to identify, man, man, what is my personality and what is my passion? If you're some, I know it can be difficult sometimes to identify. Here's, here's a great thing that you do. Ask somebody. Ask one of your friends. I guarantee your friends can tell you, you know, whenever I see you, you're always reading. You, you're always in a book. That tells me maybe you have a passion for learning or your friends will be real rude. They tell you you talk a lot. In fact, you talk too much, right? Maybe you have a passion for speaking. Uh, another thing, you know, follow your curiosity, be willing to try new things, to step out. And I'm going to try this and see if I really like it. Uh, because we begin to find our purpose when we link our personality and passion that's by design from God to his plan. Here's another thing the enemy wants to trick us into believing. The enemy wants to trick you into thinking your purpose is about achievement. You see, we automatically know that this one is completely, again, backwards to God's way of thinking. Because our faith isn't even about our achievement. One of our core values, right? Relationship, not religion. It's not about what you can do for God. It's about what God has done for you. This can be really difficult and really tough for us to really grasp because most of us equate our purpose in life if we're honest to what we do. And so we ask questions, but what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be a firefighter? Am I supposed to be a chef? Am I supposed to be a teacher? What am I supposed to do? Well, what you do is, I mean, it's important. It may not be as important as you really think. You see, because if our connection with God isn't based upon what we can achieve, then our purpose certainly can't be either. Here's a great statement when it comes to your purpose. Your purpose cannot be driven externally. Your purpose cannot be driven externally. What do I mean? Your purpose is not your occupation. Your purpose is not uh, your marital status, your relational status, your accolades, the things you will accomplish in life. 
You see, your purpose is not, and this is what the enemy wants you to, to think. I'm just a mom. I'm just this, or I'm just that. You're not just anything. You see, your purpose is not to be just a wife or just a musician or just a dietitian. Although you can channel your purpose through those things, those things are not your purpose. Here's the dangerous thing. If we allow those things to hold the position of our purpose, it can get super duper toxic. Why? Because um, this is what we know about our purpose is your purpose. Your purpose is the place you find your significance. I've used this example before. If you take a, a keyboard, right, a musical instrument, and you begin to take your fingers and you, and you hit the keys, nothing's going to happen. Why? Because the keyboard was made to find its significance when it's connected to a sound system. It can't really operate for the reason it was made until you connect it to a sound system. What is, what is that an example of? Our lives, we, we, we can't truly find our significance until we're connected to our purpose. You see, if your sense of purpose, if it's, if it's driven externally, you're always going to find yourself in the position of a victim. Does anybody know somebody like that? Uh, because here's, here's why. External things change, and when they change, there's room for disappointment created. Uh, so maybe if you find your purpose in the relationship that you're in, when that relationship ends or, or when that person uh, you know, passes away, things like that, your, your life, what happens? It absolutely crumbles and it falls apart. Why? Because I thought that was my purpose. I thought that what I did was just my purpose or in relationships, man, I'm just, I'm such a good friend. I'm really loyal. My purpose is to be a good friend. It's not your, it's not your purpose because if, if that was to fall apart, what would happen to your life? Your life would crumble. You see, your purpose isn't based on your achievement or what you do. Here's, here's a, a, another one. Because, and and here's, here's the deal with all that. If, if, you, if you base your, your purpose on things that are external, you'll always be destroyed when those things fall apart. When your purpose is driven through something that is internal, when your purpose is driven internally, external things cannot affect your fulfillment or sense of worth. That's why that's important. The next one is this, and this is the last one. The, the enemy wants to trick you into thinking you're disqualified from your purpose. Uh, he wants to tell you things like this. Uh, you're too young. You're too old. You're too bad. Maybe you're too uneducated or you're too late. And, and some of us maybe would say, no, I know that's not true. I, I know that, that God doesn't think like that. I know it's never too late, but do you live your life like that? In Romans 11, the Bible says this, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. It's never too late. You see, these things are all false because they violate God's backwards thinking that tells us that our purpose is just like our faith. What is that? It's not about us. You didn't choose your purpose. God did, and he made you and designed you intentionally to fulfill it. God designed you to use your personality and passion to push forward his plan. So I guess the real question is, what is God's plan? You know, God's plan, uh, since the poor decision man made It's always been the same, and it's been this. God's plan has been to reconnect man with God. John 3.16, I I like the way this, this translation says this. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed, but by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. This is why he came. He came to help, to put the world right again. 
That's why it's important to know that God isn't mad at you. God isn't even disappointed in you. He's so passionate about connecting with you that he gave something that was most precious to him. So that when you believed in the work of the cross, when you believe in what Jesus did, you can connect with God. Not based upon your self-disappointments or the things that, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. God doesn't care. He's not intimidated by your situation. God wants to connect with man. And you see, God's plan is first that for us to connect with him. But after we connect with him, the plan continues. It's really where we begin to find our real purpose. After we've connected with God, we play a huge role. Because God's plan for us is God's plan for everybody. And then our part becomes what? To connect others to God. In 2 Corinthians, it it makes this really clear. It says, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. And isn't this what we're really talking about today? We don't evaluate things by, by, by external matters. We evaluate things by who we really are. We looked at the Messiah, Jesus, that way once, and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, right? We look at the spirit part of a person. And what we see is that anyone united with Jesus, they get a fresh start. They're created new. The old life is gone. A new life flourishes. Look at it. All of this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. And then he called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through Jesus, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. And then he's getting ready to tell us our purpose. This is what we've talked about all day to get to this point. He says this, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences. What are the differences? They're the external things that we all get caught up over. I don't agree with you, so I reject you. I don't like the way that you look, so there's no way that God could love you because, because I don't. These, these differences, the things that, that are on the, uh, on the outside, whether it be a, a political preference or, or, or a life uh, preference, that we drop those things and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He is already a friend of you. Here's your purpose. Our purpose as Christians is to take our personality and passion and use it to connect people to God. Why are you here? This is why you're here. You're here is to identify how you were designed, the things that you like, the interests that you have, your personality and your passions, and use those things to connect people to God. I want you to write this down. And I want to, say, I want to take it a step further. I want to say it even a little bit clearer, and I want to say it like this. Our purpose as Christians is to take our personality and passion and use it to show love to others. Why? Why do I use the word love? Because the Bible says that God is love. And when we show people love, we show people God. In John, John 13, 35, love one another. In the same way I have loved you, you love one another. Because this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, that you're Christians, when they see the love you have for each other. You see, today, today you need to know that you're not just a doctor. You need to know that you're not just a mechanic, a teacher, a housewife. Today, you're not just a kid, a teenager, an old person. Today, you're not just a janitor. 
You're not just a coach. You're not just a, rep, uh, a representative for some organization. You're not just a receptionist or an engineer. You're not just a firefighter. You're not just a construction worker. You are a reconciler. You're a carrier of a message that connects people to God, a message that is shown through love. That is your purpose. That's why you exist. That's why you're here. Your purpose in life is to take your personality and your passion and to use it to show God's love to others. And you see, while that responsibility for all of us is the same, how we would accomplish it in our lives is going to be different. And it's different by design. What do I mean? You may be a librarian, and how you express your purpose will be different from the car salesman. Your purpose isn't what you do, but don't get it wrong. You are to use what you do to fulfill your purpose. This should be absolutely freeing to us all because uh, for me, I mean, when, uh, growing up, this is one of the hardest things uh, for, for me as it pertained to, to sharing my faith, right? Because what we're talking, you, you stand up and you tell everybody about Jesus. Well, my personal personality, when I look at my personality, I'm, I'm not just geared to go up to someone and say, hey, do you know Jesus? I mean, I won't really go up to somebody and, and directly speak to them just, just out of the way and that intentional and that direct. Anyway, it's not my personality. You may be geared that way. But, but what's freeing about this is we begin to understand the way that we're geared isn't something that we have to struggle with. And man, I got to change this so that God can use me better. No, God wants to use you the way that he created you. God wants to use you the way that he created you. I, I, I totally believe that we should share our faith. But sometimes I, I believe that the best way to share your faith is to show your faith. To have more confidence in the love of God than even your words. I mean, that's scripture. I didn't say they'll know that you are Christians by the words that you say. I like to live my life by this statement. Be ready at all times to share the message of Jesus. But live your life as if you had not the capacity for words. You have the message of hope the world needs. And in order to get it out, we have to live our life according to who we really are eternal beings. We have to live for this big picture. That means that our lives can't be about us. Our achievements, they can't be about us. Our generosity, it can't be about us. It can't be about how good we can look. Our purpose is locked up in connecting to God than connecting others to God. That's the mission statement of our church, right? To love God and to love people. Today, as we wrap up, I want us all to understand this, that we have one weapon in fending off the deception of darkness in the lives of others. And that weapon, it's not intellect. It's not debate. It's not wisdom. It's not behavior modification, although those things are great. The force that we have been given, it's so much greater than all of those other things. And that force is the force of love. Here are the questions today. And I want you to just take a second as I, I read these for you to, to think about them, to ask yourself these things. Are you living your life with the reality that you're an eternal being and that this isn't your final destination, that your body really isn't you, that you're a man in a moon suit? Do you live your life that way? Not just do you know it, not just do you have the knowledge of I'm an internal, eternal being, but do I have the understanding? Do I live my life by this principle? Are you living your life under the backwards lie that maybe you really don't have a purpose, that you just exist? Are you maybe here today and you're living your life only to achieve? For you, maybe it's about how how high you can climb on the corporate ladder or how young you can be when you retire. Do you think maybe today that it's too late? Do you think maybe that you've been too bad, that you're too young? Again, maybe you know that, that God doesn't see it this way, but are you living your life this way? Are you using your personality and passion 
to love people, pushing forward God's plan. Today, you need to know that you matter. You need to know that you are more than just human. Would you make the decision today to refuse to live life for what is now, settling for this life that feels like the grind? Will you refuse to live your life like it ends when you die? Will you refuse to get caught up in the system, to live your life with a newfound freedom, knowing that how you're geared, it's intentional? Your passions, they're by design. Knowing your significance isn't found in what you can do, how good you can be, or how busy you can make your life. Your significance is found in letting go and living for the bigger picture. Using your personality and your passion, it's not accidental, to push God's plan forward. Let's pray. God, today, we just take a second, I think, to reflect, to ask ourselves these questions, to, to, remember, to remember who we really are. God, we ask today that you would really help us to get it. It's, it's not necessarily an easy thing, but it's, it's, it's how you think. And how you think, God, to be honest, it's, it's backwards to our natural inclination. So, God, we ask for your help, for your help in these things. God, help us to not settle for a life that just is. Help us not to settle for the grind. Help us not to settle that, for the fact that, man, I'm just here to just be this or just be that. Help us to see, God, the bigger picture, the plan that you have for all of us, that we would be able, God, to be everything that you need us to be so that we could share your message of hope, your message of healing to people that are broken and people that are hurting in the world around us. Today in this room with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you've never made that decision to receive Jesus, this is step number one. We talked about it all day, identifying the fact that you're an eternal being, that you spend forever somewhere, heaven or hell. The cool thing is God has had a plan, a plan for you to connect with him, not based upon you, but based upon him. If you've never made that decision, I want to give you that opportunity to place your faith in Christ, to connect who you really are back to God. If you want to make that decision today, I don't want you to raise your hand. In fact, at all of our campuses, I want you just to mean this prayer with all of your guts. I want you to really mean it today. In fact, we're a family, so nobody prays alone. Let's all pray this together. Would you pray with me? Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart. I confess out of my mouth that you are the Son of God. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you came back from the dead for me. Say this with me. Mean it today. Say, I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus, to live my life the way you designed me to live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and celebrate with all of those that made that decision today? Wow. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.